let it sink in. Yeah, man, that's, some, that's good. Did you write this? I wish. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chris, welcome. Um, for those that don't know Chris, his na- full name is Chris Pletcher, <laughs> singer, songwriter, family pastor at Antioch Church, came here today to talk about his album, and much more. And I think one of the major themes here is going to be how to be fathered by God. And uh, maybe even how to be a good father yourself for those that are listening that want to be fathers and who who are fathers already. And I just think that is probably the topic of our generation or Mm. the topic of the decade is how to be a good father and the importance of fathers in life. Yes, man. I I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. I I feel like when I just, um, well, look at the story of my own life and, and hear other men tell their stories and just kind of survey the landscape of our nation right now. I, I firmly believe that like one of the biggest, um, one of the biggest challenges that is facing people and especially like the generations between you and I, you know, I'm like kind of one of the first millennials, but basically, Mm. you know, between, between you and I, I'm 37, I'll be 38 this year is fatherlessness. And, and really, um, and by the way, pull down the mic just a tad so that, boom. Yeah. Maybe about like right here. Yeah. There you go. There we go. Sweet. Yeah, first time podcaster here. <laughs> Appreciate the tips. Yeah, so essentially, yeah. I, you know, because there's a pretty big gap between that. I'm like at the tail end. You're at the beginning, right? And <clears throat> like even right now, one of the benefits that I think that my like my age group, I don't even say generation, has is kind of being a hybrid. We kind of understand what it's like to be a millennial and what it's like to be what they're calling a zoomer. And so we, we're in a good ministry location to be like, hey, we can kind of speak to both places. Yeah. And I think what's, what is interesting is that regardless of what generation you're in, I think one of the threads that ties us all together is this issue of, of you know, fatherlessness. Mm. And that doesn't always mean that you didn't have a father, that you were actually an orphan. But I think what we've seen is in the last, uh, I don't know, 50, 60 years in the United States, we have seen a total collapse of the family system. Mm. We have seen uh, divorce becomes the norm, broken families becomes the norm. I mean, 20, 30 years ago, even, that was sort of still kind of the exception. Now it's just, it's the way, it, so we've seen fa- the family network has collapsed in the United States, leaving a generation of orphans, mm. even if you have a dad, even if your dad was a, a pretty decent dad there's probably a good chance that this is a part of your story um, being fathered by God and uh, inviting the perfect heavenly father into the places of, of lack, the places of need and, and, and your life. And so, Mm. um, so I, I mean, personally, obviously I live in work within the church. And so we, a lot of times we call it the orphan spirit. Mm. Um, but, but I think it is one of the number one things that is, um, that is affecting people today, regardless of your, your generation. I can unpack that a little bit more, kind of what I think that means. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, man, it, it's the tie that binds, unfortunately, binds us all together and um, is our need for a father. Mm. So do you think that is like often overlooked by the world a little bit? Or 
even by the church like that like oh you can just replace that with god like right away yeah you know you don't like just pray a prayer you're good kind of thing yeah so only you said by the world and by the church i think the world certainly the Mm. world i think will eventually i don't know how long it's going to take the sociologists to do all their studies of the effects of the collapse of the american family you know but eventually they're and i'm sure there are they probably yeah. already exist but eventually they're going to say whoa 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 this is not good the collapse of the family the the normalcy of divorce is not helping people you know and seeing the correlations between you know, anxiety disorders, depression, abandonment mm. issues, mental health problems. I mean, I'm not a social scientist, but I can almost guarantee that if you track to the correlation on a graph of the collapse of the family, the increase of divorce rates, and the increase with all of these these emotional and mental health issues, I mean, I would almost guarantee that it's connected we were mm. made and put in family. It's like wired yeah. into like the deepest fabric of our being. We were we were created by family. We were actually created by the unity of a of a mother and a father. And we were meant to live our days within this social relational network that is safe, um, called the family. And you just cannot destroy it and have good fruit. Mm. And so we're we are now in a position, I believe, where, um, where we're, uh, we're, we're though, so the world, I, I hope and pray that the world starts to realize, man, we can't just ignore and crush the family mm. and expect good things to happen. I don't know if they will, but in, in the church, it's our, it's our mess to, to clean up. It's our, it's our mess that we have got to, to, to give attention, energy, love, compassion, healing. I believe that it is. And I think the church is, is there. I think a lot of the church is waking up to like, oh, this is a big deal. This is a root cause for a lot of our issues. Mm. Um, but yeah, I certainly think it more and more this healing journey is a critical part. Yeah. I believe for every believer, every um, every person that placed their faith in Jesus, and we can, again, we can talk more about this, but I, I think it's a critical part of of the journey for every every saint every disciple when i think with every kind of like spiritual issue in the world you know it's uh, the bible says or paul says we do not fight against flesh and blood enemies i'm pretty sure that's paul i'm not sure um but but against the rulers and principalities and unseen realms you know and uh so when you're looking at all different types of issues in the world so important to see it out of that lens what you know the our our the bible should be our lens for interpreting the world, not the 100%. world being our lens for interpreting the Bible. Hundred percent. Yeah, man. Ephesians six. Our, our battle is not against flesh and blood. I could not agree more that it is one of the primary uh, strategies of the the enemy. That you know, the, the devil is called the adversary of the brothers. Like the he's the, he's the he is an enemy against the purposes of God and. And so I believe one of his primary strategies, I mean, think about it. God, you know, Jesus came and, and Hebrews, Hebrews one tells us that Jesus was basically the, the final and complete self revelation of God, Mm. that God had been speaking for thousands of years through prophets and in many times, different ways. But it says in these last days, he's spoken to us 
in his son. So literally, Hebrews 1 teaches that the final self-revelation, the culminating self-revelation of God in history was by showing us a son. Mm. Isn't that incredible? That's a good point. Showing us what a son and father relationship looks like. (laughs) Exactly. Jesus printed Jesus primary message was, was, you know, talking about his father, you go to the sermon on the Mount. So Jesus, you know, his first kind of, um, big preaching, he comes out of the wilderness and he goes, he starts proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. And then we get these, this three chapter sermon on the Mount. It's one of his first major teachings. And, I just recently went through and I circled every time in the Sermon on the Mount he references his father. Mm. Every time he says, your heavenly father. It's like it's a, it's like 12, 15 times or maybe even more than that. But throughout that entire message, it is central. The, met, the gospel of the kingdom is about knowing the father. So isn't that crazy mm. that the primary, like the culminating revelation of Jesus and of God in history was a son in relationship with his father. Is it any surprise, going back to talking about the enemy, okay, that then the enemy who's wanting to come against the plans and purposes of God would attack the family, attack fatherhood, and scatter generations of orphans and say, actually, you can't trust the father. Mm. You can't. You're not safe with your father. Isn't that Mm. unbelievable? Why wouldn't he go just straight at the jugular? You know, I'm going to, for a generation... I'm going to destroy, attempt to destroy the idea of fatherhood. Mm. Mm. And it seems to just be progressing more and more. And, you know, what you said about it's like kind of our job as the church to clean it up. I don't know if I exactly land there, but it's our job at the church to love the fought, like the people that have not been fathered. You know, I think the ultimate cleanup party is when Jesus returns and then he ends that. But like right now it's just because Jesus is coming to set everything good again. Doesn't mean we should be stagnant now with these issues. We, we are called to love these people regardless and join in to this ultimate plan that God will fully fulfill on the day of the Lord. Yeah. 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 100%. But I mean, I, I do think that, that all of us, I mean, you, you, might have the rare exception these days of of somebody that was fathered really mm. well by their earthly father, you know, came from a really healthy, um, you know, biblical, loving, spirit-filled household. Parents are, you know, still committed, living in covenant. Like, certainly you have some of those, you know, those stories. Sure. And it's amazing when you meet those people, there's some of the most stable, healthy. It's like, I remember meeting this gal a, a few years back in our community and, you know, she's like 22 years old. And my, my experience, this is not a knock on anyone, but my, my experience for most 22 year olds, like including myself, you know, was, was, you know, a lot of insecurity, a lot of immaturity and, you know, a lot of things I'm still kind of working through in my identity. And this girl is like sitting in front of me, one of the most confident, secure, just people I had ever been around, you know, and, and, Mm. and, uh, you know, I'm like 35 at the time she's 22 and we're, we were in a work uh, like situation where we worked together and I was blown away. And then I got to know her story and I got to know her family. I got to know her mother and her father. And I was like, wow, she's standing. This is her legacy. She's standing on the the shoulders of, of a healthy family. And so Mm. the thing, the, the reality is, is that 
we all don't start off in the same place. And that's, I, I think, just something that has to be acknowledged is that we're not all, um, we're not all dealt the same hand. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Um, and we have to acknowledge that our stories are different. We've got to get really good at understanding and listening to people's stories and realizing that, um, for that young gal that I was talking about in many ways, it's not that she doesn't have challenges and and struggles and certainly, but in many ways, her life she was given a better foundation to build on. So standing on that is more stable for her, mm. which if you grew up in just a, a broken home, a, a, you know, parents got divorced or, or I mean, yeah. heaven forbid there was abuse or violence or some of those other pieces, then you're trying to build a life on a piece of concrete. Think about a foundation that has actually been broken and shattered. And so imagine, like picture yourself standing on a smooth concrete slab and and you have your feet set, and I come along, and I try to pull you, and you, you kind of got your feet set. There's solid ground underneath you. But if you were standing on a, on a pile of rubble, mm. a pile of rubbled concrete, right, and, and I come along, and I try to pull you, imagine how much easier it is for me to pull you yeah. off balance when you're standing on a poor foundation. Mm-hmm. And so we have to acknowledge that some people's stories and journeys are actually harder than others. And... We're not all standing on the same foundation. Now, Jesus, we invite him in, and I believe God's hope and intention is to come into everybody's story and to heal and mend their foundation, regardless mm-hmm. of where, of if they got little cracks or major rifts, or, you know, he comes in and he heals that, and that's, that's being fathered by God. And I think, just to kind of mention a little bit of my story, I think that that's why this is such a... Uh, life calling and passion for me is that, um, you know, I was, I was handed that pile of rubble in some ways. Now, now people, man, so many people have far worse stories than mine. My parents in a lot of ways were amazing, are amazing and did the best job they could do. Um, but they got divorced pretty unexpectedly at age 14. I was Mm -hmm. going into my freshman year at high school, everything I knew I was the oldest of three kids um, so I'm kind of leading the way in our family. My parents, they actually sit us down on Christmas and tell us, Hey, we're going to be getting a divorce by that next summer. My dad mm. had moved out. Um, I'm, I'm a freshman starting my freshman year of high school. Um, by let's see my junior year, my mom got remarried and my senior year, my dad got remarried. They both, or uh, maybe that's backwards. Sorry, but, uh, <laughs> they, and they both remarried people that had kids that went to high school with me. And so in four years, in four short years, my like nuclear family of five just fragmented and kind of, you know, divided, multiplied in a sense. And now I've got these stepmom, stepdad, stepsister, stepbrother, and boom, everything I knew about family just collapsed. Mm. And I was kind of expected at the age of 14, 15, 16 to just roll with it, you know? Mm. And um, can we kind of break that down a bit? Because I think it might be beneficial for people listening that may be in a similar situation because the parallels between your story and my story are just crazy. Um, When you got hit with this bomb, you know, per se, on Christmas, 
I'm wondering, was what you was shattered this idea of like your parents being these kind of superheroes in a sense, these like idea of what you should look for in a marriage? Like we're always looking to our parents. We're like, oh, well, their their marriage is great. Like this is they would never get. I remember when I was a kid, I was like, I heard all these parents in um, elementary school getting divorced. And I was like, ah, my parents would never get divorced. Like and I think that was just my humble heart and, and the relationship I had with the Lord, just having that confidence. But, you know, and I've talked about this on other episodes and we can kind of move to this direction, but this kind of idea of the marriage covenant, you know, I've seen it. Actually, it was funny. I saw it in the most clear way whenever you were like officiating the the wedding with Daniel and Hannah. Oh, fun. And uh, it's just incredible to see like, you know, someone that's a pastor of a church, a pastor of families, and has also been through this place where you've observed this brokenness of family in a very personal way, kind of walking these two young, passionate people through what it means, what what they're doing means, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. that this is a this is a choice and a step not only into a relationship with each other, but this binding, this spiritual one flesh binding right. with God. Yeah. And yeah. that cannot be broken. Mm-hmm. And any people that love Jesus mm-hmm truly have a relationship with God, a deep relationship with God and are married will never get divorced and never mm. have in the history of life mm. that truly have that foundation. Well, I'm, yeah. I might, I might challenge that a little bit. Okay. Uh, um, it's not that it, it's not that it can't be broken because we, you know, I've been married 10 years and, and, uh, I love my wife dearly. We have five kids together, you know? And so, uh, I've been working on my own covenant, you know, but it, so it's not that it can't, and we walk with Jesus, we know him deeply. And I'm telling you the the temptation, you know, to um, uh, waver in my covenant is, you know, is still there, mm-hmm. you know, it's in, in, uh, I share that open and vulnerably. It's like, it's not like you get 10 years into marriage. You're like, sweet, we're, we're home free. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? You've heard stories, people at 25, 30 years in, they get divorced, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, what, what in the world, you know? So covenant is under attack. And I think it's, again, going back to the, the strategies of the enemy, because God has always revealed himself to humanity and, and related to humanity through covenant from the very beginning. From the very beginning in the garden with Adam and Eve, when they fell straight up, came right out of it, made a covenant with Noah, the redemptive plan unfolds more, makes a covenant with Abraham. We see this all throughout the Old Testament. God enters into covenant with people, binds himself to individuals for the sake of redemption. Mm. And and then obviously we've got the, the, the law of Moses, the old covenant, the old Testament. You see it in King David, there's the Davidic covenant. So this is, this is woven into the fabric of our faith and something we don't talk about right. a lot. And to break down what a covenant is, it's basically a promise. It's a binding agreement between mm. two parties. And so let's just take Abraham. This is coming to my mind. So, you know, in the, in the old Testament, the book of Genesis, God makes this covenant with Abraham. He says, um, I am going to bless you. I'm going to make a great nation out of you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless the, the entire earth through your people. I'm going to make you a great nation. And, and so in the part of this covenant-making process, there's this scene. It's actually a pretty gruesome scene, okay? But mm-hmm. there's this scene where, <clears throat> where essentially 
they, God has Abraham sacrifice these animals and separate them in two and essentially creates an, an aisle, a walkway, okay, of, of dead, ripped open animal carcasses. Yeah. Okay. And, and the, the scene is I'm going to walk through this. I'm, my covenant ceremony right now is I'm going to walk through the middle of these dead animals. Excuse me for the, the graphic scene. Yeah. But essentially what God was communicating is um, the severity of the nature of like, like I, like not even death could, could separate this agreement that we are making with one another right now. And he, he binds himself. And so back to the marriage. So yeah. all, all that to say, God is a covenant making and a covenant keeping God with people. It's one of the main ways he relates to us is through these binding promises agreements. And, and so in marriage, it is the same. The two become one flesh. We've heard of that a lot. And so it's not that if you're a Christian, you walk closely with Jesus, that you can't get a divorce. You absolutely 100% still can. But when you take that oneness that you created, that the binding together, and then you, you try to rip that thing apart, the collateral damage, the destruction that is going to happen is mm. immense. I think the one flesh analogy is like the idea of like, it's like an adhesive, but it's like, it's like almost like we're concreting together, you know? Mm. So imagine if you set two people together, they become one and they set together in concrete and their oneness is formed. And then you decide, no, we're actually going to break this thing apart. Yeah. I mean, you're bringing out the jackhammer, you're bringing out the, you know, the big water saw that you see on the side of the mm. room. I mean, it's like it to break a covenant it's destructive, man. It, it doesn't matter what the reasons are. It's painful. Mm. And um, so, yes, covenant is at the heart of God. And and so back to the schemes of the enemy, it is no surprise that one of his, I think, great strategies is, you know, we talked about uncoming against fatherhood, coming against the, the covenant of marriage. Mm. And, and they're, in, they're inseparable. You know, we we have a generation of of a couple of generations of of people now where broken family is the accepted norm now in America. Mm. The divorce rate has been above 50% for a while now. That is inside the church and outside the church which is just embarrassing, but it's it's the the accepted norm is broken family. Mm. Broken covenants, broken marriages, fatherlessness is not to be trusted. And so when I said earlier in the church, it's our mess to clean up. I don't necessarily think it's our, it's our problem to solve Jesus Mm. as the, the savior, the Messiah, but, but everybody that we're living and breathing in community with has these, most likely they're navigating some pain associated with their broken family, their fatherlessness. And we've got to learn how to disciple people into sonship, mm. which is an all-inclusive turn for sons and daughters, by the way. So yeah. it's not just the guys. <laughs> it's like we've got to learn how to disciple people into the biblical theology of sonship. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and just like, you know, kind of as we brought this kind of full circle here back to like this idea of fatherlessness or uh, the family unit, one statistic I saw from this guy named Steven Crowder, he'll go to college campuses and he talks to people. Um, now, some would say he doesn't do it in the most effective way, but he'll ask people to, 
exchange a dialogue and yep. he'll invite people up to change his mind about something. And um, he was talking about one of the or the most prevalent indicator for whether or not you'll end up in poverty is a two fam a two parent household, mother and father. Wow. And it was like, whoa. And <clears throat> and that's what I was saying before is like anything any practical problem we have has at least an aspect to it. Or probably I'd say I'd even argue more importantly the this spiritual component to yeah. it. There's just yes. this there's this unseen battle going on yep. that we must reveal to people. Right. Right. Like we must understand that anything that happens in life, there's a million other hidden things that are at play here, whether that's good or bad. Right. Yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, what, what's coming to my mind is, is thinking about like my early days, um, just kind of pick up my story a little yeah, bit where yeah. I left off. Like, you know, my, my parents got divorced within four years for both remarried. So I graduate from high school after the four years of just kind of madness, honestly, uh, grew up in Houston and, and, um, had got accepted into A&M and I was just pumped to get out of town, man. Like I'm leaving, I'm getting away from this family mess. I'm going to go to mm. college and just kind of do my own thing, you know? And mm. so I came here to A&M. Um, I had, uh, come to know about Jesus when I was in high school, in the midst of all this, by the grace of God, uh, I got invited to a young life camp by some friends and at 16 years old, one summer heard the gospel clearly, beautifully just portrayed that. And it just, it was like somebody finally told me how gravity worked. You know, it's like, I, I like had felt it my whole life. I had like, I had experienced its effects the whole life. And then finally somebody was like, Oh yeah, that the reason why everything in life feels broken is because it is, and that's called sin. But Jesus came to bring restoration, to bring forgiveness and to restore us to the father. And it was just beautiful. And, and so mm. I kind of stepped into that place and, in the midst of all this madness, I was like, yes, God, I like want and need you in my life. And I, I like invited God into my life. I, you know, for whatever I, I understood, like placed my whole trust in Jesus for my, my salvation, my standing with God and, and my relationship with God. But it was a really rocky, really rocky couple of years with everything going on. I didn't really know how to walk that out. So all that to say, when I got to college and I was saying, hey, man, I'm ready to get away from my family. Freedom, here we go. I was not walking with God. Came to A&M, joined a fraternity. And, you know, as a lot of us do, just kind of continued down the road of of medicating my pain. I was just, oh, my heart was ripped to shreds for a, a lot of different reasons. And and so, you know, it's just a lot of, I think the driving force behind some of our, you know, what we call sin or our, our destructive self-satisfying behaviors is, is we're just medicating. We're trying to numb the pain. And by the grace of God, I'll speed this up a little bit. Um, Literally three weeks into my freshman year, I joined a fraternity. I was going the wrong direction fast, medicating all my pain, and I'm sitting in my dorm room one night. It was a, a Monday night, I think, and and I was just miserable. Um, it's partying all weekend. Was just just depressed and lonely and broken and miserable. I'm like, what am I doing with my life? You know, and and God just this again. You know, I I had 
had placed my faith in Jesus a, a few years earlier, but I was not walking with him. And God so faithfully just was like, I, there is more to your life. Like, th- yes, there is more to life, but you, you've got to seek me. You've got to turn and come after me to find it. And here I am knocking on the door of your heart again, saying, let me back in. And by the grace of God, I like, you know, literally got on my knees in my dorm room that night and surrendered back to Jesus Mm -hmm. and was like, Lord, come and and have your way in my life. Like, I need you to come and change me. And um, what was the response after that? Well, uh, it's, it's pretty wild, but. Um, so I was still in this fraternity, right? And so like literally the next day I had like meetings with my fraternity brothers and, and but I also started reading the Bible the next day. So it was an interesting little battle that played out, but I would read the Bible and I would literally tangibly feel just the peace of God come and, and surround me. And then I'd go to the frat house or go to this meeting with the frat guys and I would I'd literally get sick to my stomach. Next day, read the Bible, peace of God, fraternity house, sick to my stomach. This went in on for it was Monday, three, four days. So finally on Friday I caved and I was like, okay, Lord, I, I see what you're saying here. And I, I just dropped out straight, just like cold Turkey. I walked away from it all, you know, and, and left a huge group of friends and in all of my social network and the early days of being a student at A&M. And, and I said, I can't go this direction anymore. That was for me, that was repentance. That was to turn and go in a different direction. And man, the way that God surrounded me after that was so beautiful. Literally the next day, um, some of the first believers that became dear friends of mine, just like God dropped them in my life. And, and it was incredible story. And I, I say all that to say, I, so I started to, I started to walk with God and just the daily small things of, you know, getting in the word. And, and we were talking earlier about this, um, our battles, not against flesh and blood and Mm. all the, the factors that we can't see that are making life challenging. And and so what the reason I was wanted to share this is when I started to read the Bible in those early days, it was like, it was like the light, the you know, the, the fog in the early morning, right, comes out, and then the sun gets kind of high, high, and, and the light shines, which is interesting because the word of God is a a light into our path, a lamp into our feet. It was like as I got into the word and the light of God's word and truth started shining on my life more and more. It was like the fog just began to lift and lift and lift, and all of a sudden, I I wasn't just held captive now by the spiritual forces of darkness that were waging war against me, I was starting to see them mm. and understand how to turn and walk in truth and repent where I need to repent and stop doing certain things that were, that were making um, life hard and confusing. There's a scripture that says, abstain from the passions of the flesh because they wage war against your soul. And so some of us are in self-inflicted warfare let that sink in for a second. Abstain from the passions of the flesh because they wage war against your soul. Mm. It's not just the enemy that is waging warfare against us. If I'm partnering with a certain sin or passion of the flesh or something that God has clearly said, that's not my desire, my will, and my best for you, I'm actually inviting warfare into my soul. And um, Mm. anyways, I think that the more I dug into the word of God and the light shone, the more I got free and um, learned how to heal 
with God in those places and not medicate them in my own ways, Mm. Mm. which I believe is the journey of sonship. Like if I could sum up the journey of sonship, maybe that's one way I would say it is learning to invite father, uh, as the, as healer, inviting the father into those places for healing instead of inviting some other thing or person or mm-hmm. substance or hobby or distra- or whatever to medicate my places of hurt, insecurity, mm-hmm. uh, whatever. So how does this journey and all this, how, how did it lead to this album that you're, you're making right now? And what, what does that mean for yeah. your sons? You know, now, you know, a lot of times the idea of the father, he's like, especially in this modern day, you know, uh, and I've heard this from my dad a lot is like, I want, I want to teach you so you don't have to go through what I went through. Yeah. Yeah. It's like this avoidance kind of thing. Mm. How, how did, how does all of this, what you went through, what does that mean for yeah. your sons? Yeah. 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 Let's like, yeah. I want to kind of shift this here a sure. little bit. So, you know, we've been talking a lot about, you know, orphan, right. You know, <laughs> the destruction of the family in America and orphan spirit and fatherlessness and, and the pain that results in so many of our lives because covenants are broken, families are broken. And I think that ultimately it's like what is lost there is a sense of, of safety and security. It's like mm. being in the family, being covered by my mom and my dad, being in that unity, there is such a relational place of safety in that in that unit when it's healthy. And so when it gets broken, it's just I, all of life becomes, uh, you know, kind of this like mm. this the insecurity. Where do I belong? Am I loved? Am I covered? Am I can I really trust people? Mm. Well, in a sense, you you lose your home. You do, which is so amazing that the the teaching of the New Testament community, which we call the church, but it, the the New Testament Greek word for for church is ecclesia, which means assembly. It's, it means a gathering of people. Right. But actually, I think the more beautiful New Testament word for what we are is in Ephesians. It talks about the household of God, mm-hmm. and so we've been not in, we're not been invited into a church. <laughs> we've been adopted into a family. Mm-hmm. We have a good father. There's parts in the scripture where it talks about Jesus as our brother, you know, mm-hmm. and and he's like basically laid his life down for for his brothers where he's come and he's declared hope to his brothers and 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 so we're pulled into this family called the household of god and i think that i think that god's answer for the brokenness of all of the covenants in our world all of our family the brokenness of our their marriages all whatever his answer is come into my family Mm -hmm. uh Learn how to be a son in this home. Mm-hmm. Learn learn how I'm like as a father. And let me bring you into my household. But there's like necessarily like a rehabilitation process yeah. and a healing journey. It's not a overnight snap of the fingers, all my pain gets goes away because I learned that God was a father. Well, and that's something I want to mention. We're talking about like and you mentioned um uh, this person in our community that you just saw this foundation and this spiritual right. covering of her of her fathers and right. stuff, and that's something I actually got to experience via someone else's family. Yeah, and, and I got to really see how grandfathers can create this spiritual mm-hmm. covering of the spirit. It's it's not by their strength; it's this stewarding yep. of God's 
fatherhood through them yep. over the family. Yes. And you see how that just builds these generational blessings. And yes. I was fortunate enough to be able to experience a, a couple weeks with a family like that. Yeah. And man, when I tell you that changed my life. Wow. And this is one of the things I wanted to mention. And um, I think you're going to agree with is that when we give our hearts to God, it's his desire to show us what that f- that that fatherhood looks like right it's our desire his yes. desire to take us and give us representations re- yes. rebuild that idea of what a marriage covenant is yes what a father is and what a family 100 percent, man 100 percent. jesus came bottom line to reveal a father to reveal the father i mean that was his mission was to you know he was the exact representation of his nature hebrews 1 verse 3 4 says he was the exact imprint of the character of god and he came to reveal a father and mm. to through his death through his resurrection to adopt us so this whole sonship is is one of the primary theologies of the new testament um is that is that the nature of our salvation it wasn't just a legal transaction. Okay, so we talk about the gospel, and one of my favorite books of the Bible is is Romans uh, and Galatians. They both they're just so clear on the on what the gospel is that we we are um, justified by faith, and it's incredible manifestos on justification. Now, justification is a legal term. Mm. It's you were guilty. Your sin had left you condemned before the court of law. You deserve judgment. Jesus came forward as your substitute. He took the judgment for you on the cross so that you could receive mercy, you could receive grace, and you could be embraced by God now as if you had never sinned. That is a the gospel, and it is a beautiful gospel, but it, it, it's a legal term gospel, which is, I was guilty, now I've been set free. I think we're pretty acquainted with that gospel. What the other beautiful part of the gospel that is, you know, is pulled out in other books of the Bible is essentially, so if that's the legal gospel, the relational gospel, which is we see in the stories like the prodigal son, Mm. right? And we see all throughout the, where, where the father, so the, the relational gospel is essentially you were estranged from the family you were an a lost a lost orphan and i came and i rescued you when you had no father you had no mother you had no provision you had no place of belonging and i came and picked you up and this is so beautiful and i made you mine mm. i made you mine some of my favorite verses in the in the whole scriptures are are when the lord uh, man one of them i think it's isaiah uh, I can't, the reference isn't coming to my mind, but where he says, um, where he essentially says, you are mine. You know, I have called you by name. You're mine. So the relational gospel is, it's not that he just satisfied the legal demands of justice, which he did and praise God. Thank you, Jesus. But he, he welcomed me into his family. He adopted me. He adopted mm. me. That is one of the primary theologies is that I was orphaned, um, and he adopted me into his family. And so that's where we get this idea of sonship is that we've been adopted in the family of God and we're learning. So, um, yes, a little bit 
about the album and and kind of my so yeah uh, <laughs> no no i'm I, you know we, we came here to like start with the album and then go into some of this stuff but it's just oh no, the, the importance is, of this conversation oh I my god so much more rich and and, and important yeah. like this especially in this time period oh right? we need to 100%. get clear on on what these things and are and honestly it's it's the reason that I sing honestly this topic it, mm. sonship understanding and experiencing God as a father and that own rehabilitation journey in my life is like it is why I sing it's why mm. I worship it's why I write music so I'm know? curious about something yeah uh, I, I've spent time around your your boys yeah in, in kingdom kids yeah you know obviously you went through this great fantastic glorious journey with God. What was it like when you had your first child of your kind of like, oh, that you just have that undescribable love for, for your for your first son? Mm-hmm. What did that do to your like sense yeah. of how you were going to father him? Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. So so uh, I mentioned earlier, I have five kids. My oldest is uh, six and a half. He'll be he'll be seven later in, in September. But. Um, five kids, four boys, which I got to ask me in a minute why God gave me four boys. It'll mm. make you cry. Um, <laughs> and one, and one daughter, my little princess Holland, she's a total firecracker. She's amazing. My one daughter, man, has more energy and more strength than all four of my boys to c- combine. So shout out to you ladies. This sonship thing covers you as well. But, um, so the, here's the cool thing is that it was like when I started having kids, so this journey of understanding God as my father and and learning how to really be the beloved son. So when we talk about being fathered by God, a big part of that is learning to be the beloved, like learning so much of our issues and insecurities revolve around this, the, the lie that, well, God kind of, God loves me. He has to, I guess. Jesus died to show me he loves me, but you know, he, he probably doesn't really like me that much, you know, like, but no, really realizing that the journey of being fathered by God and of becoming the beloved son is realizing, man, like my God, yeah, I am enough. A one, that's it. I'm enough. The orphan mentality. I meant to say this earlier. So we talked about the orphan spirit versus the spirit of adoption. The orphan spirit is primarily a mentality of lack Orphans live in a state of lack. They live in a state of relational lack. They live in a state of financial lack. They live in a state of social lack. They're, it's the, the orphan mentality is, I, I don't have enough. It's never going to be enough, and I'm not enough. It is a total mindset of inadequacy and lack. Whereas when we understand that we're adopted by a good father Psalm 145 actually calls him an abundantly good father. The, mm. the the mindset of true biblical adoption into God's family, what's the opposite of lack? Mm. Mm. What's the opposite of lack? Uh, abundance. Abundance. <laughs> That's the adoption. That's the mindset of sonship. Yeah. It is there is enough, he is enough, and I am enough. 
there's an abundance for every need that I have because God is my father. Why wouldn't mm-hmm. there be an abundance? And so that's the rehabilitation journey I believe that we're on is how much am I living in this mentality of lack versus how much am I living in this mentality that I have enough, God is enough, and I am enough. Mm-hmm. For me, that last one's been the biggest journey is I'm I'm good enough. And so back to fathering my boys, I'm having my own children like like you know basically you're drinking a red bull over there it like it like shot my journey of sonship into overdrive it was like it just energized it you know like because i started seeing through the eyes of a father and and so i think it's one of the coolest reasons why god invites us to have children is cuz we get to understand the heart of a father he's like i want you to see what it's like to be me and so for those of us that are struggling to believe that, to trust the Father, to believe that He's good, or to believe that the, He loves me, having your own children is such a healing experience because you realize how crazy you are about them and how much you love them and how you just start spontaneously singing songs over them because you delight in them. And, and you know, for the first year, they all they really do is, is soil their diaper and cry and not sleep that much, you know, but you just like adore them you know before they can even contribute before they're mature at all i mean there's a lesson for us right there so it's amazing it's such a privilege in my life to become a father and experience the heart of a father and um and it has just absolutely changed this whole area of of sonship and understand man if i feel this way about my six-year-old about my four-year-old twins about my you know two-month-old son who's just born in february like man god must actually really Mm. love me you Mm. know he must actually really be crazy about me and Mm. oh and he's not hung up on my immaturity he's committed to the journey with me that's the thing man i know my six-year-old is still immature in a lot of ways he's six (laughs) but i'm like not hung i'm not like man i can't wait till this boy's 10 and Mm. he learns how to you know, tie his own shoes. Like, man, I can't wait till he's 16. He can finally drive himself. So mm-hmm. I'm not, I, do, I never, I like look at him every single day, wherever he's right at. And I embrace him. I love him. I'm committed to the journey of maturing him, but I'm not going to love him anymore when he's 10 or 16 or 21. Or, you yeah. know what I'm saying? And that is sonship is saying, I'm the beloved right now. I'm a child of God and he's crazy about me. And yeah, he knows my, issues and my immaturity better than anyone else he's my dad yeah nobody, nobody <laughs> yeah, knows yeah. caleb you might hang out with my boys and kingdom kids for a couple sundays right. or what and you you might see some things in them but nobody knows my boys weaknesses like i do and nobody loves them more mm. and and so i think that's like what's so important is when we look at like we, we can take that to everything like when we look at other people the people that we know the deepest we usually know the the worst attributes about right. them, but we love them right. anyway. Yeah. And, and I think w- one of the themes, and I I love that you brought up the the six to ten or six to twenty one analogy because the theme I see in the Bible so much is this endurance. It's mm-hmm. like endure and trust in me, and you will be saved. Yeah. And it's like one thing you said to me uh, a while back was you can't avoid the process. Mm-hmm. And so for those that aren't fathers right now that don't really truly understand that, yes. that you said, what's their hope right now yes. for this process period? 100%. So 
That's such a great question. Yeah, we, we can't avoid the process. And Jesus is an amazing healer. Like, make no mistake, there is power in the name of Jesus to heal and restore every broken, orphaned, hurting place in my life. And some of those places, he might come very quickly and very powerfully and heal very supernaturally. Mm. Um, but in a lot of those places, he actually comes alongside of us and walks with us in this process of healing, essentially by being with us, by by manifesting himself as the father who's with us in our pain. Mm. You know what I mean? And we learn to trust him along the way. So we can't avoid the, the process. And so I think that like, I don't know, I would just rattle off a few ideas on how, how do we lean into that process? How do we lean into that journey? I think that number one is, is do like dig into the scriptures, mm. understand this relational gospel that I mentioned about the father study every verse you can find on the on the heavenly father and mm-hmm. and this you know i would recommend galatians uh, is an incredible book but chapter 3 and chapter 4 talks about um this process the the spirit of adoption that it says that um all of us uh in christ jesus we are all sons of god through faith and then it just kind of expounds on the spirit of adoption that Mm. we've received it's isn't it interesting this will kind of give us a clue of how little we talk about this stuff is that the holy spirit jesus and i believe is john 16 said i will not leave you as orphans orphans Mm. and then he goes on to say my answer for that is i'm going to send you the holy spirit Mm. jesus answer for orphanhood was the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And so so then well, that's why we read in Galatians 4 that the Holy Spirit who we've received, Paul tells us, is the spirit of adoption. You see that connection mm-hmm. there? Jesus says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm not going to I came to reveal you the Father, and I'm leaving, but I'm not leaving you fatherless. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to leave you as orphan. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He's going to be in you. Mm-hmm. The Father, the 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 and he's the guarantee of our inheritance. Exactly. Where do you get inheritance? That's from, from your the family. Father. From the he's father. The down payment mm. of the father of mm. the inheritance. This is your adoption. He's the spirit of adoption. And it's literally by the Holy Spirit, Galatians says, why we're able to cry out, Abba, Father. It is the, the spirit of adoption. Mm. And I love all the parallels of God's heart, spirit, ways that we find in day-to-day life that we're just like, we, when we don't have that spiritual lens, yep. we're like, oh, that's just how things are. Yep. Like with nature, with the way family units work. Yep. And it's like when we observe God and we, we get, when we read the Bible right. and we understand what God's ultimate plan is yeah. and how he operates, we get, begin to see him in everything sure and it, it's almost like it's just so cool to me and that's kind of what this podcast is all about is kind of observing creation and saying yeah. wow god you're it's pretty so, amazing it is so woven into the mm. fabric of who we are man and once we start to see once you start to see this fatherhood thing and this family thing and this orphan adoption thing it's like it really starts bringing a lot of clarity you'll start going, wow, I wonder if I do that because of that. I wonder, another piece I think that's interesting is, um, 
you know, in that same passage where he talks about the spirit of adoption, he says, we have not received the spirit of fear, fear to fall back into slavery, but we've received the spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father. And so it's just interesting to me that Paul, a uh, pretty, pretty trusted source there. I mean, <laughs> we've been talking about him the whole time. I mean, his, <laughs> his, like, uh, you know, the, yeah. essentially the other option uh, other than the spirit of sonship is, is fear. And so it's just interesting and not, not to land here for, for, to, for too long, but especially with all the stuff that's going on in our world with coronavirus and in the, the widespread fear, I mean, that right there is an indicator of the fatherlessness that's happening because when you are secure in the father, you perfect love casts out fear. Mm. When you know who your daddy is, when you know who the father is, that's, I mean, literally right there in Galatians, Paul says, here are your two options in life. You can live by the spirit of fear and lead and fall into slavery, or you can live by the spirit of adoption and cry out, Abba, Father. And I'm like, if those are the two options you're putting on the table before me, I'm going to take Abba, Father. I'm going to take, I know who my dad is and I'm not afraid. Mm. And so it's just, it's just, um, beautiful we all have restoration that we need in our hearts and these areas and mm. and having kids having kids of my own has been so helpful for me but i think that you don't have to have kids to go on this journey so i would say press into the biblical theology of sonship and adoption and read galatians and and allow god to invite him in to father you and um and be intentional, uh, intentional about breaking off the the lies, the mistrust, you know, of him as a father, and, and dive into your own personal story a little bit and say, okay, what was my father like, and how is God different? Mm. And making sure that I'm not, you know, I'm not unintentionally attributing to God some character qualities that belong to my earthly father, right. who is not God. Well, and and most if not all the scars that we have are from people. Right. And right. Uh, one of the the biggest healing um, elements that I've found is praying for those people that have caused scars. Mm. And it's such a, it's a wild thing to be able to do, like press in and be like, not, not to, for them to l- necessarily lose some of the negative attributes, but just pray for blessing over their life. To bless those that Yeah. It's just this you. crazy healing yeah. thing that happens, and, and God's like, there. Yeah. That's exactly for sure. how I want you to see it. Absolutely. Is that you aren't of lack. You are powerful. I've deposited my spirit in you, mm-hmm. the power to be able to bless people with your words. Yeah. And, you know, even what we're doing right now, it's like, the power of our words, yeah, man, we have to be careful what we're speaking over ourselves mm-hmm. and other people. Yeah. And even less of being careful, just pressing more into, wow, we, we are in God's royal family. Yeah. And so we actually have been entrusted with power. Right. So we can move forward and, and affect people's lives in a positive way. And we don't have to live in this place of, Oh, I've been hurt, but we can allow God to come and heal us and then flip the script and be like, Hey, I can help people along their journey. Right. I can focus on 
what God, the way God wants me to join into his plan right. and, and let, allow that to manifest in my life than, than the, the other way around where I'm trying to scramble and figure out how mm-hmm. to do this thing called life. And yeah. when, when no one really knows how to do it, but the answer has been there the whole time, right. you know, for us. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so powerful what you're saying to pray for those who have hurt us and to honor, um, to honor our fathers and our mothers for the things they did do well, not yeah. throw, you know, <laughs> throw the baby out with the bathwater, you know, like to, to find the things that are worth honoring and to focus in on those. And, um, yeah, but you know, this, this journey of healing sonship, um, I think that honestly, the, the fact that we're talking about it today, the fact that, um, there are a lot of people in the body of Christ that are, that are actively, I guess, um, participating in like this healing, you know, like yeah. the, the healing journey and, and realizing, um, that there, there are some deep places that need attention and need the love of God and need the rehabilitation of the scriptures, you know, and, and to press into those things. Um, uh, a book that has blessed me just kind of as a resource is, um, is, I already know. Fathered by God by John Eldridge. If you heard that one, yeah. obviously Wild at Heart. Wild at Heart. <laughs> Wild at Heart's a great starting point. It's amazing deep dive into the pain. But Fathered by God was really kind of meant to be a, a sequel to Wild at Heart. And he unpacks the six stages of the masculine journey. So this is more directed towards the guys out there. But man, it's so phenomenal. But there is a uh, uh, a captivating. Yeah, yeah there's a, a, a women's version as well written by his wife. Incredible resource. They have trailed, blazed a trail in our generation. Uh, John and his wife and Ransom Heart Ministries, they have just, I mean, for the last two decades, they've been talking about this stuff. And um, and uh, actually, so I might, might shift gears a little bit sure. here. I got to go to um, one of their conference weekends for men back in October up in Colorado, and that's where I met. That was the weekend back in October um, where I met the producer, it was the divine connection, the guy that produced this album um, mm. that we have, you know ha- tried to talk about but haven't really talked about, which is great. I agree. <laughs> this is the I love it. The, really, the, the the topic of sonship and the father is it's so critical. But um, maybe I'll just share a little bit about yeah. kind of how that came about and sure. the the name of the al- the title of the album and why we're talking so much about sonship and in relation to the record. Uh, it's called Songs for My Sons. And um, it is really got a dual meaning as I, you know, searched for my own kind of motivation. Like, you know, I'm not trying to be like a a famous singer songwriter here. You know, obviously we live in the allure of a self idolatry culture. And so that's always kind of a temptation. But as, as I really searched for the motivation, I'm like, why do I, why do I care about capturing these songs and recording them and producing them? Why? And a lot of it was like, man, I want an inheritance for my kids. Like if I died and had 250 voice memo song ideas on my iPhone that never saw the light of day, I mean, that would be a major regret for me, you know? And, Mm. um, so I wanted an inheritance for my sons and that just was from the Lord, that idea. So I was like, songs for my sons. That's what I'm calling this project. But it quickly took on this dual meaning because God was fathering me and has been fathering me and teaching me so much about sonship. I'm like, Ooh, what if we looked at this from a different perspective and almost like God was saying, Hey, these are songs for my sons. You know, it's like, these are songs 
for my sons and daughters. These are songs that my kids can sing like God the Father. And so the that the title of the album really kind of has a dual meaning. It's not just saying for my four boys you know, my, and my daughter. It's saying for the sons and daughters of God. And um, and so, yeah, I, I'm really, really pumped. It, it releases this Monday, April 27th. It'll be on all, you know, streaming platforms everywhere. Um, and the, it's volume, I'm releasing volume one of a four part project. So songs for my sons is going to have four volumes and I'm basically going to be releasing them over the next four to six months. And, um, each, each volume has a theme. So, mm. so volume one is, is called encounter and it is essentially, um, just encountering the father. It's like that, that's kind of the heartbeat behind these songs is what happens when we, um, see God as a good father, when we understand that I'm able to, to draw near to him with confidence. Um, when I see his face and I understand his love, what that does to the atmosphere and changing the world around me. Um, and, and then just this place of being able to, um, surrender into, into, trusting him as, mm. as my father and so i'm so pumped for for these songs um it's the first like professional studio uh record that i've been able to to make which is cool i did a little self-produced thing um back in 2017 that um is kind of embarrassing so <laughs> don't don't go listen to it it's not that good i promise this uh, this next album is gonna far surpass it but um well you've you know, had a little practice with the with the people praise release and stuff like well, that well more Can you so talk about that a little bit maybe yeah more more so yeah. the you know I, i've learned in this whole journey so it was five years ago you know interestingly right alongside the time where i became a father um, this songwriting calling I've led worship and played music for years and years and years. And, but something shifted about five years ago when I started having kids with songwriting, it was a specific calling. It was, you know, it was January 1st. I make a habit on new year's day to try to get before the Lord with some extra time and just say, God, what are you saying for my life in this year? Is there anything you want me to, you want me to do or be faithful with or steward? And it must've been 2015, uh, yeah, about five years ago very clearly on new year's day i'm sitting on my couch i'm out in my old house and i'm asking the lord it's a new year god what are you saying what do you have for me what do you want me to steward and i felt like he spoke i want you to steward the gift of songwriting and uh i was like ah, that's very specific and mm. i don't have the gift of songwriting you know what are you talking about and like many of our dreams or callings like he gives them to us in this seed form, this like tiny, tiny little thing. And he was like, actually, yeah, you do. I have given you this gift. I had only written a couple of songs at that point. I was not like the songwriter guy or the, I mean, mediocre guitar player, really not even that great of a singer, you know, like, and, and, but the Lord put this calling on my life to write music. And so, and so like any seed, it, you know, I think that day it hit good soil in my heart and it got planted. Um, but you know, there was at least a year, maybe two where nothing happened above the surface at all. Just, you know, happened underground, you know, Mm -hmm. and then, and then a few years in, I, you know, had a, a kind of an open door here locally to learn how to produce, you know, self-produced music. And so I tried that and it's so hard and it was terrible. I mean, actually my wife would like, corrects me all the time she's like 
babe, you're so the the original EP I released in 2017 is called Awake the Dawn, mm. and it's got five songs on it. It's on Spotify. It's out there, but it's um it is self-produced and it feels homegrown. I mean, it feels homemade. <laughs> and that, honestly, I've been really insecure and not walking in sonship with it a lot. And mm. and it took me about a year to say it's good. No, it's good. You know, even though I know as a creative and I know as my standards, it, it, it technically could, it, it was not, it's not that great, right. but it, but it was something that, um, I stewarded and created with the Lord and it's there and people can listen to if they want to. There's at least a couple songs on there that are, I think are really great. Some of them I like still skip myself. If I'm being <laughs> honest, I'm like, oh, that was not that good. But, um, so that's kind of where it started. They're just very small beginnings, but going through that original EP, I realized man, God, you've put so many songs inside of me and so many dreams, and I have huge vision, just like you, man. You're a visionary. I have huge vision for seeing this thing come to life, but I don't have the skills to bring it to life by myself. You mentioned to me, you know, just your producer and partnering in this whole venture with the podcast and how you needed somebody to come alongside of you to actually see the vision happen. And so I knew after that EP Man, I'm I, I'm gonna have to have somebody like that, Lord. One day, I'm gonna keep writing music. I'm gonna keep doing this thing. I'm gonna keep churning the pot of songwriting and being faithful. But there's gonna be a day where you're gonna have to connect me with the right person to see these things come alive. Mm. And it happened in last October. It, it just God That's is wild. God is amazing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was literally at a Wild at Heart boot camp in Colorado. Isn't it amazing though? Just cool. Like literally God, I'd been on this long journey of sonship and, and some things happened in my heart that weekend that really just kind of like, mm. oh, culminated this journey for landmark. my, it was a, such a landmark weekend in my walk with God and understanding my identity as a son and, and like walked out of that weekend encountering sonship and fa the father in a whole d just mm. a deeper level and literally it was the next day i'm in the office on a monday and i get an email from this connection that it, from colorado he's an independent producer i'll just give him a shout out his name's barry patterson he's amazing and um him and his wife have been in the industry for many years um and she's a vocal coach, anything. Anyway, one thing led to another and it was just like, it was, I mean, I remember the presence of God just kind of like I opened their email and it just was like this moment where God was like very clearly like, this is it. This mm. is the door that you've been waiting for. I want you to trust this man. Mm. I want you to work with this man. And so Barry and I got to know each other over a few weeks, some FaceTime calls and this and that. And, um, and then he quoted me uh, a, a price to make a, a full-length record. And um, I didn't have the money to do it, but I, God was so clear that this was the door I was supposed to walk through. So just like when the Israelites stepped in the Jordan when it was at flood stage, right before it had dried up the Red Sea, he parted for them ahead of time. Mm. But there are some rivers that we got to step into while they're still raging and and trust that God's going to do it. So I, I stepped into this studio by faith, just like they stepped into the Jordan and um, booked the studio space, had zero of the 20 plus thousand dollars required to make a full length record. Wow. And um, within three weeks of booking the studio space, um, God had moved on the hearts of three different uh, people, uh, some in our local community and then actually one in my family. And God had funded the entire album before I even stepped foot in the studio. Whoa. $22,000 God gave to me 
to make this music. And so I say that to say, like, God is is faithful, and um, there's this truth where he's like, if you're faithful in the little, I'll then trust you with much. And so I had to go through this journey and take this little seed of a calling to be a songwriter and be faithful with it for many, many years in the small, unglamorous dirt stage, right? And and then um, God had trusted me with the, with this opportunity, and I'm, I'm just blown away. So mm. I feel like this music belongs to the Lord because he paid for it which is giving me a lot of freedom to promote the music now because I don't feel like I'm promoting my stuff because he bought it, and mm. so it belongs to him. So I'm <laughs> stewarding something that God owns, which is these songs. Um, and uh, so, and that definitely that makes you go into it with such a more sustainable drive. Like I remember um, you, you talk about your first project. And I'm similar. I, I think I have a similar roots in that way with, with my old podcast, Um there's some that I didn't even release in the beginning, but I started when I was 19 years old. And, and so there's a, like, let's talk about process here. There's yeah. a process that I'm sure you can still find some of the old ones somewhere on the internet. But I, I've, I've removed some of them because um, there's just, if you went back and listened from the first one to the last one, there's 100 plus episodes. You would hear literally in the tone of my voice the spirit and authority in which i speak upon Mm. it goes from a very headstrong uh intellectual like way of talking to a very well-rounded um uh, spirit-led way and and with this podcast i'm like i need to share this stuff not for my self-promotion but i need to share it because i believe so much in the messages on Mm -hmm. here and the conversations that are being had And and that was what god really put on my heart uh, in, a, in a similar way, I joined. I came to A and M, joined a fraternity. the uh, The day after, like bid day, and you get accepted and all that stuff. I'm just like, what am I doing? And God just like grabbed my heart, and uh, and I dropped it the next day. I was like, nah, this wow. is not like literally the next wow. day. I was like, I can't do this. And they took me to like get a steak, you know, dinner and stuff, trying to convince me because you know, it's similar to you, I can like play that role like i i could be really good at being everybody's friend and still lose that that like friendship with myself right Mm -hmm. and and, uh and so just to see that process um kind of before my eyes with the podcast was like so cool but now with these conversations i'm like man this is where the passion lays and god was like dude you don't even care what Mm. you're talking about (laughs) like and then now it's like Wow, I know each episode cool. is going to minister to to my heart. It's awesome. Um, yeah. That's awesome, man. Very cool. Yeah. yeah, can't avoid the process, right? I mean, I think that's that's just a a, a theme in life and um and it's exciting like to see the god of the journey. And I yeah. think that that's one of the main reasons why he doesn't allow us to shortcut the process because if mm-hmm. we if we took the shortcut, we would miss him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we would miss him. Well, and it, what it leads us to is doing it for God versus doing it for ourselves. Right. And right. when we start doing it for God, there's a million other things that can happen. Because when we're we're self centered and we're like going for this self glorification success, the most we can do is what we can do with our own hands. Sure. But when we're in God's will and we're walking His path, He's directing good. A, a bunch of other things and people and setting the foundation. Yeah. He loves us so much that He's gonna 
he's going to make his will known and his works are going to be present. And all we have to do is step in those, but everything around us begins to shift. So it's not a scattering around trying to bring things together so we can create our own security. Right. But it's about just walking in this obedience and trust that God, I, I don't have any, like I can't move that person over there, Yeah. but I have trust that you're going to direct their heart in the, the right direction. And if you don't, I'll trust that you have the ultimate um, insight cool. and wisdom to, to not yeah. direct. And so uh, an example of that is you mentioned this wild at heart uh, retreat being such a pivotal landmark right. moment. And what you may not even realize is, is, and I love making these little connections because I think it glorifies God just to show his sovereign reign over everything, is what you may not even realize is at that time, Daniel Locke was discipling me. Yes, and and he came with me to Colorado. Right, Uh and I I think you were, you're in a discipleship relationship Mm -hmm. with him. And uh, I remember this, this light and ferocity the day after he got back and we met Mm -hmm. and we're just like, we're out literally in a parking lot just skateboarding. Yeah. And he just this difference yes. in him come on and um i think that's so cool how it's like not just you know when you join with god it's not just what he's doing in you but he's doing Amen. shifting like these moments happen for mm-hmm. the church body Amen. for the family the family shifts yep. when a member shifts yep. instead of it just being a personal gain for you mm-hmm. it's almost like boom you know god setting things up in your life but you're one of those pieces in someone else's life right. being shifted yeah, which is good, really man. cool dude you're making me think of uh there's uh one of my favorite quotes um by a guy named chris valatin mm. he says um the kingdom within you becomes the kingdom around you basically we talk a lot in our circles about overflow it jesus said it like this you know out of the um how can how can you um, uh, speak good being evil, you know, basically like from the overflow of your heart, your life pours out, you know? And so it's, uh, you know, so the kingdom within us becomes the kingdom around us. And so that's why it's so important that we know inside of us, we know who we are. It's why it's so worth it. And so important that we go on this journey mm. of healing and sonship to know the Father and to find our true identity as sons and daughters and to really be uh, vigilant to get this orphan spirit as far away from us as possible, these mentalities of lack, as I mentioned earlier, to get them as far away from us as possible and to abide in a true revelation of a good father and an abundant father who's my protector, my provider, my leader, my wonderful mm-hmm. counselor. He is like, he welcomes me in my weakness and in my process. Like his his throne room is open to me at all times. Just like, I mean, I've been working from home a lot in these days, right? In my the room off the garage, the bonus room as bonus we call it, room. you know? And uh, I've been working at home for about a month now. And so it's been amazing because it's been more time with my family, but it's also been challenging because my kids know that I'm right there. So when I am working, it's hard for them because daddy's here, but he's not available. Mm. And so, I mean, a dozen times a day, just, you know, knocking on the door, like coming and it's like, I'll be on a video call or in a meeting and I'll just ignore the first couple knocks. And, and just like the persistent widow, they'll just like, they'll just keep knocking on the door. And every time, I mean, I think there's maybe been once or twice in four weeks that I've just waited to they walked away (laughs) but honestly every other time than that it's like eventually i opened the door for my kids Mm -hmm. you know 
they always have access to me, you know, like they're my kids. I'm, I'm never going to turn them away. And, and I think it's just, um, so important that we, that we go on this journey and, and my hope, you know, with my own kids is that like, you know, the kingdom within me becomes the kingdom around me. So that the atmosphere in my home is now reflecting that of a, of a healthy son. So I've said it like this before. I don't think, I I think that you can maybe only be a good father to the extent that you are a healthy son. You know Mm. what I mean? And I think, I think that healthy sons make good fathers. Mm. And, um, and so I think it's, that's why all this stuff's connected, you know, fatherhood, sonship. It's like, I actually have to first understand I'm the beloved son. If I'm going to have any hope to go be a good father and, and uh love yeah. my sons well you know and i mentioned earlier four sons why i have four sons i'm gonna let you ask me why did god <laughs> give, you, give you four sons sure so <laughs> i this is one of my favorite just like little side journeys yeah. with, with god but when we found out we were having our fifth kid we were certain it was going to be another son a girl now oh we, you certain we had three boys and then we had a daughter and then oh, okay. we, we were pregnant again and we were like, oh, he's going to give us another daughter, mm. three boys, two girls, sweet, five kids, done and done, like perfect. And we were shocked when we found out that our fifth was a boy, our fourth boy. And so I'm um, spending some time with God one day, and I'm working. This was after the Colorado experience. I'm like working through some stuff, and, and I just felt very, you know, still small voice. The Lord was like, hey, um, do you realize why I gave you a fourth boy? And as soon as he asked me the question, I knew he like, I knew the answer. And it's because on my journey into sonship um, and understanding God is my father, I had prayed at some point in the past. Um, we see in the scripture um, that they call the, the devil is a thief. He comes to steal, kill and destroy. And then we have this interesting story where Jesus um, interacts with a thief. His name was Zacchaeus. He was a tax collector that ripped people off, right? Mm. He's up in the tree. And what happens in that story is Zacchaeus eats lunch with Jesus that day, has an encounter with God and repents and his whole life changes. And he goes and he restores in the scripture. It says he restored fourfold everything that he had stolen from people. Mm. And so I just looked at that at one point and I was like, okay, Zacchaeus was a thief and he had to restore fourfold. And Satan is called the thief who steals, kills and destroys anything that state Satan stolen from me in my life. I'm going to ask God to make him pay it back fourfold. And so God reminded me that months ago or years ago in the sonship journey, I prayed because of that scripture. I said, everything that um, was lost to me, in my childhood and sonship, everything that was stolen from me as a son, would you give it back to me fourfold? Mm. And I have four sons. Mm. So and now what the enemy tried to destroy in you yes. has been multiplied by yes. God. And so God, what he was saying to me was, I, you've asked me to give this to you fourfold. I have given you four opportunities now to experience the heart of a father for his son. Mm. And I have four boys. I get to live in that revelation daily and it's shaping me. And I want to be a good father. I want to be like him. I want to, and I'm not, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I, you know, I'm growing, I'm maturing. I believe I'm a good father. I'm a great father. My boys are secure sons, but man, I'm, I'm always learning and growing, humbling myself and on the journey. 
but I really this this album is me trying to get the kingdom that's inside of me out a little bit so that my sons can live in it and then maybe others can live mm-hmm. in it as well and that they would like my my hope and prayer for this album is that the the any anointing or revelation for sonship this whole thing we've been talking about would actually be carried in these songs and mm, it's that, a declaration. Yeah. That like literally people would listen to these songs and it would advance them in their journey with father God. You mm. know, um, the first song on the, the album is called throne of grace. And it's, it's about this very thing where we can run in and to be with God, your worst day, your best day, your weakest moments. Like, the mm. way is open, so run in with confidence. Mm. He's calling out, says, you're calling out to your sons and your daughters, inviting us into the arms of a father. Mm. We're not going to stand at a distance any longer. We're running in with confidence. Mm. And then the chorus is, I'm coming close. I'm drawing near. Mm. Jesus, my hope, your grace will find me here. So it's like, what, where, however I'm doing, any day, any moment, my best, my worst, I can go to him mm. and he's going to meet me. You know, mm. another and, track on the album is yeah. called Father of Lights. And it's just this declaration that he's good and everything in my life that's good is because of him, you know. Mm. And so I'm really excited for it. And yeah. that is my prayer is that it carries a, a something of sonship and songs for my sons, not just for my kids. It's I, 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 I like God paid for it. It's his project. I'm yeah. believing that it's because he has something for the body mm. to grow in this spirit of adoption. Mm. Yeah. Well, I think that uh, a, g- a good way to wrap this up and what I, r- I really want you to do, and it has to do with that first track. Yeah. I, I remember one time you explained how, how the bonus room works into your household and you used it as a um, like kind of a parable in a sense right. for... Um, the only way that you like you're still in God's house. Right. And, but, but you have to come to him yes. in the morning and you can, yes. don't, you can still leave God. Can you explain that story yeah, in that? For sure. I would love to hear that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, we talk about the household of God and we've been, we've been adopted into his house, into his home. We're a part of his family. He's our father. And, uh, I just shared the story about, you know, we have this room off of our garage. We call it the bonus room. And, um, you know, so I'm up there early in the mornings, you know, sp- spending time with God, starting my day, prayer, whatever. And so when my sons wake up in the morning, um, they just have gotten accustomed to, like, they know where daddy is. Like, when my kids wake up in the morning and they're rubbing the sleep out of their eyes and they're climbing down out of the bunk bed, they, they know daddy's in the bonus room, Mm. but they're not in the bonus room. They know where I'm at. They know I'm their father. They even might know that I'm in a good mood, right? But they're still on the other side of the house in their room. And so the invitation that is so clear throughout the scriptures is that we are called to seek God. We are called, James 4, 8, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. There's this partnership. I I wish Mm. I could fully understand and explain it, but there's something in relationship that requires reciprocation and effort. Mm. God has pursued us so much. I mean, goodness, he took on flesh and blood and walked on planet earth and died, right? But so much of the other side of this story is that we're called to pursue him. 
And so I just told this story about how my sons, they wake up and like they actually have to draw near to daddy. Like they, they have to walk across the house. They have to go through the garage and they have to open the door to the bonus room and to, to run in to be with dad, you know? And, mm. um, and, and I just kind of unpacking like what happens for my son, Caleb, when he opens that door um, there's like a few steps that come down, you know, he has to walk down three, four steps and then, and then he kind of runs across the room to where I am. And, and it's this amazing picture of us drawing near to God and us running to him. And it's like, I was just as much his dad when he was still laying in his bed on the other side of his house, mm. but he had to come and draw near to experience the intimacy of my embrace right to experience that moment you know and i'm i'm there i'm ready i'm waiting for him the door is opened right i'm never going to turn him away and it's really just an invitation i think for us to like he's there he's good mm. he's available jesus has opened the way and if we're experiencing a lack back to that orphan if we're experiencing a lack of something mm. it might be that we're not pursuing it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because I promise you the lack's not on his end. He's abundantly good and present and there. And I think sometimes we're stuck at a distance, you know, um, for whatever reason. Uh, maybe he's not, not that good or maybe he didn't answer my prayer yesterday or I don't know. It's hard. You know, the bonus room's far away. Mm -hmm. You know, it takes time. You know, it's like, and we stay at a distance. We're content to live in his house, to know that he's there, but to not enter in and ex encounter him. And uh, so yeah, that story is kind of captured in that this first song on the album, which, you know, is titled the, it, it, Encounter is mm -hmm. the title of this album. It's um, you, you know an invitation. What that that kind of made me think of, and as we're wrapping it up here, is the proverb that says a, a, a man who loves sleep will end in poverty. Mm. And we're talking about how poverty yeah, and, right. and uh, orphan, fatherlessness, yeah, fatherlessness mm. play go hand in hand. And if your son never got out of bed, he right. wouldn't be able to experience the father, yeah. and would end up in poverty, a po yeah. impoverished place in his spirit, even yeah, yeah. Sure, That's really man. cool. So, yeah. songs for my sons available on Spotify, Apple Podcast, on YouTube. Probably mm -hmm. you're gonna be coming out with any videos after it, any music videos. Yeah. So actually, you um, if you want to track along right now, uh, you can follow me on Instagram, Chris Pletcher Music, um, and I'm posting actually uh, little acoustic preview tracks um, each day right now, leading up to the release and. So I would say Instagram's probably the best place to track along and, and, and get new content and the different things that are being released around the music and with the album. And certainly YouTube will be a part of that. But um, And that's at Chris Pletcher Music. That's it. Gotcha. At Chris Pletcher Music. And uh, yeah, man, I, I would love, I'm actually just, I'll, I'll throw this in there too. Sure. Um, you know, as an independent artist, it's like, you know, it, you're not connected in with any great promotional efforts. And so it really is a kind of a grassroots campaign to get mm -hmm. your music out there. So, 
Um, I've spent the last month recruiting what I'm, I'm calling like a grassroots promo team. So I've got about 35 people that are, um, that are on board. They're kind of like my little grassroots volunteer team. And, um, and they're helping me fan the flame and spread the word and, and, and get the word out about the album release. And so if anyone on there just on the, listening to this, like resonates with this message of, of sonship and um, if you, you know, take a listen to some of the music and, and you like it, you enjoy it and you want to help like spread it, um, I would love for you to, to, to jump in and help um, just kind of share it. Again, I really believe that this stuff belongs to the Lord. And, and so I'm trying to be as faithful as I can to, to mm. you know, he paid for it. I want to I promote it. And um, so. Love it. Yeah. And, and did you write um the um living stones song yes i wrote i wrote most of that song kaylin uh my buddy our worship leader at antioch i mean him him and i are always churning on songs together so definitely was it was a team effort there as we were hashing through lyrics and ideas and stuff we definitely landed that song together as a team but so if people went and listened to that would that give them a taste for your coming album honestly um I mean, you might you might get a little bit of a taste, but but it's pretty different. different. It's pretty unique. I would definitely say um, Instagram is is the is the best spot to get a little bit of a taste of what the, it's gonna um, what's gonna sound like, what some of the tracks sound like, and um, there's you know the link in my bio will take you to a little uh, music page where you can listen to some previews as well. Cool. So yeah, I would point I'd point them there. Sweet, yeah, man. All right, Chris, appreciate Bro. you coming on. This was awesome conversation and you know uh when the spirit of god's moving i just kind of let it be and so so good man yeah i feel like i could stay here talking about this forever man i'm so encouraged personally and and i'm excited that this message is like personally important enough to you to to like you know spend the time on it so dude and what i love more than anything is i got to just spend you know an hour and a half to two hours or whatever just chatting with you about this and really uh, receiving that perspective from someone that I consider pretty wise uh, uh, man of God. And so thanks, um, look forward to the future of uh, yeah. a relationship with you and absolutely and uh, seeing this this album, you know, uh, do well. Cool. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Bailey. Yeah, appreciate, appreciate it, bro. Yeah. Got that outro. Oh, there it is. Boom. See you later, guys. So good.